Are we all the way at the beginning of this thing? Robot Wiggins, are you here for it? I'm here for it. Robot Wiggins, you sound terrible. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. With no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Oh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? All right. <laughs> wow. Hey, everybody. This is Junkie Turdman. I am your host. Welcome to episode 269 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This is my normal speaking voice. Let me turn on the filter here. All right, everybody. Now, this is my filtered show voice. And with me today... <laughs> don't, don't look at me like that, you filthy bastard. With me here today is the one and only... Um, not Chris Wiggins. Robo Wiggins is in the house tonight. Robo Wiggins... Um, say something. Let us know you are kind of working. I am kind of working. Yeah, he doesn't sound so good. Wait, let me turn it up just a little bit. Okay, say something else. I'm from Indiana. I like Honda. I like Harley Davidson. I like things that are light and memorable, like Hondas and Harley Davidsons. All right, well, we probably aren't going to use Rebel Wiggins for the show. Anyway, we've been in a, a tow bore, not quite retired, trying to repurpose the old tow bore into Rebel Wiggins on a uh, suggestion made by the, the guys at Nokomoto. I think it's a fabulous suggestion. I'm going to turn my headphones down because every time Rebel Wiggins talks to me, it almost blows my eardrums out. Um, but yeah, we're trying to work on Rebel Wiggins. We're trying to give it a more human sound. We're trying to uh, put a lot of Chris Wiggins' um, thoughts and uh, thought processes into these and so far it's not <laughs> I don't know if it's working Rebel Wiggins what would you say your favorite food is ketchup mm, maybe it's working <laughs> we'll have to get the real Chris Wiggins in here uh, to go ahead and um, calibrate this thing but anyways uh, we're going to put Rebel Wiggins I'm going to even turn you off Rebel Wiggins I don't think we're going to even use you tonight but thank you for trying um, actually bye Rebel Wiggins it's been fun hanging out with you bye bye a knife now that sounds like Chris Wiggins bye a knife although you could barely understand it I got to fix his uh, whatever's going on with the voice circuits there too um, so anyways welcome to episode 269 um Oof, we got a we got a hot one for you coming in. You you ever are you having a good? I hope you're having a, a, a good of a of a uh, what's it called St. Patrick's Day hangover as everyone else is today. So um, yeah, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. We'll see how the uh, the rivers and streams and and all the streets filled with green puke look in a couple days. See if everything cleans it up. Maybe we'll get a little rain to wash it down. <laughs> so uh, St. Patty's Day. Um, ironically, not a huge, huge day here in uh, L.A. So if you had an awesome St. Patty's Day ride or a St. Patty's Day celebration, let us know. Um, we got Cinco de Mayo coming up here pretty soon, which is actually not really even a thing in L.A. either. Uh, May Day is coming up. And there's a couple other things coming up here. But before we do that, I was going to have Robo Wiggins read you the disclaimer. But since Robo Wiggins sounds like a bag of hammered dog shit, I'm going to read it myself. 
Hey everybody, this is Creative Writing, and on this show, we have opinions. And the opinions and the views of the participants on the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants. They do not reflect the policy, position, opinions, or anything else of Creative Writing, Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, any of our sister stations or sister shows, and any opinion as the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even... Well, we'll talk about this in a minute, but electric vehicle... Electric vehicle drivers. So, everybody, before we get into this week's show, um, like I said, let me know. Uh, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you did for uh, St. Patty's Day. Um, I don't think you really need a, a reason to be Irish and be drunk, do you? I mean, that's like kind of a given. Um, oh, shoot, Robo Wiggins, did we just knock your audio out? I don't know. I don't know what happened. We'll see if you even show up on the final edit. I may be uh, re-editing this, I guess, if Rebel Wiggins doesn't show up. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so we are, um, we're wondering what's been going on. If you got any cool uh, events coming up, let us know. Here in SoCal, there's quite a few. Uh, there's a couple desert cleanup events going on um, out in the Akatio Wells and in the desert region. Um I'm going to probably link to those on uh, social media. So if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, those should be popping up in the stories. Um, April 22nd, the Stagecoach uh, Classic Motorcycle Rally is happening uh, out here in um, Julian, kind of where Wiggins and I went riding last November. There, a lot of stuff happens out there. The Geico Adventure Rally happens out there. Um, there's actually an Adventure Out ride happening uh, out here pretty soon. Revzilla's putting it on. And uh, that might be taking place down in that sort of area. So uh, check that out. Pretty cool. Stagecoach Classic Motorcycle Rally, April 22nd. Uh, April 23rd and 24th, I believe, is the Big Willow Classic Track Day out at Big Willow Springs. And uh, that's going to be an armor round, too. I believe it's going to be the first uh, one of the first few rounds of the year here for ARMA, which is the American Historical Racing Motorcycle Association, AHRMA. Um, our good buddy Brady Walker is putting on the uh, the Classic Track Day. There's also going to be a flat track uh, event out there uh, at the Walt James Stadium, which is adjacent. And there's going to be like the Carnival of Speed happening, which is kind of like the event that they put on when uh when the race is in town so it ought to be a lot of fun that the couple weekends leading up to that uh that armor round uh if you want to if you're a new rider and you want to take your classic bike or by classic now we're talking like 2000 if you have a 2001 uh rc51 <laughs> that's like a classic now it's it's over 20 years old believe it or not um so that's happening uh, May 21st and 22nd. The Pasadena Motorcycle uh, Club's Greenhorn Run is going to be going on. And that's a two-day ride, I think, down to... It's so funny because it's a two-day ride from here down to the San Diego area, which is two hours away. But if you do it the right way, it's two, two days. It's going to have a road version and an off-road version, I believe. So that ought to be pretty fun. I, I am tempted myself to check that out, depending on what May looks like. Junkie Toidman is going to be um, in Hawaii and Chicago this summer. And I don't know if one of those is in May when this uh, Greenhorn Run's going on. So tells you how much I know about what's going on in my own life. Nothing. Um, so anyways, yeah, I'm going to be uh, spectating Hawaii a little bit this summer. And we will be at the, uh, I forget what the name of the motocross course is, right there by Turtle Bay uh, on Oahu. If you're going to be out there, come check us out. See Junkie Turdman. Um, I'm going to do a triple over the dragon's back up there. 
um, do a triple backflip over the dragon's back. So it's, we're going to call it the back over back event. Um, it's going to be my very first time trying to backflip. And not only that, once I get the backflip down, we're going to try a triple backflip over the dragon's back. So we're calling it the back over back event. Uh, and then we're in when we are in Chicago, I think that's going to be later this summer, we're going to be sweating a lot and really hot and dripping greasy. You know how it gets in Chicago in the summer. Um, so yeah, we're going to be checking out a couple of the um, motorcycle events up there and probably floating down the Missouri River or whatever runs through Chicago. I don't know. Is there, is there even a river in Chicago? I have no fucking clue. So anyways, uh, let us know how things are going in that uh, part of town before we get there. And I'm sure there'll be, uh, just know that we're going to be there in a few months, couple months. So if you are from those areas and there's something cool we should check out while we're there, please let us know. All right. And with that, no further ado, I have no further events. I hope if you got to attend something like Daytona Bike Week um, or something else that was happening uh, this past week, I, you know, what, what, what the hell else happens uh, around the world at this time uh, besides Daytona Bike Week, I have no, no idea. But if you uh, got to spend some time at an event, let us know and uh, point, point one out to us. We'd like to, like to hit them up once in a while. Um, with that, we're going to do some quick news. And then I want to ask you, you ever, you ever get bored? Like, like speaking of the events that are happening right now and, uh, you know, in SoCal, there's quite a few rides that have been happening already. And I'm sure on the East coast too, where things haven't got as, as cold as they have, um, around the rest of the country. Uh, there's rides like all year round. There's been a few rides. There's been a few, uh, you know, bike week gets really packed and crowded. Uh, Myrtle beach. I think they used to have a, a bike week down there. Um, uh, you know, Sturgis, super packed. It looks a lot of fun, but there's a bajillion people there, right? And so it looks really packed. What do you do when you want to get out of the city? When you want to get out of that packed urban area or, you know, motorcycle scene that's just, you know, you can't really do anything except for cruise at five miles an hour down the street. A lot of bikes, really cool, but you can't cruise. You, know, you, you want to get out of the, the, the city, get out into the hills and do some Tokyo drifting? Oh, yeah. Well, this show is going to be for you because on today's episode, we are going to be talking about those awesome Japanese Tokyo drifting, baby. Today's show is basically going to focus on the Japanese bike scene, the famous displacements that everyone always talks about. Everyone's always giving you malarkey on, oh, the, the Japanese did, did this and they did this and the chicken tax and the blah, 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 and this and, you know, all these displacements, 400s are big in Japan, all this great stuff. Why? Why, though? When you got stuff like the Nissan GTR and the Suzuki Hayabusa, or, well, Suzuki Hayabusa, but the, uh, the H2, Kawasaki's H2, and, you know, the Honda CBR RRRRR pirate bike. When you have all these massive sport bikes and this awesome stuff uh, coming out of Japan, you gotta, you must have a place to ride these, right? And you must have a, a, a way to get out there and do some Tokyo drifting on these bikes. So we're gonna talk about Jap Japan today with somebody who's in Japan, somebody who teaches motorbike stuff in Japan. And I'm not gonna say anymore because I don't wanna uh, ruin their segment of the show. But yeah, it's gonna be a really, hopefully, an eye-opening episode about those crazy Japanese displacements that we are always hearing about. So with no further ado, let's take a quick, quick hiatus, about 32 seconds, pay some bills, and come back with some news before we get into this week's show. All right, stick around, you dirty clown. Hey, 
creative writers, RP Enterprises wants to remind you of their latest, greatest invention, the medicated adhesive graphic strip. This medicated bandage strip is emblazoned with bold graphics depicting infected, pus-oozing, disgusting wounds. Whether you have just a minor scratch, a hangnail, or a clean gash, make sure you customize it with the Mags Bandage from RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises is only available at fine retail stores near you. Hey everybody, this is Junkie Turdman. You may know me from the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, among other things, like dancing topless at Tito's. Oh, never mind. That's that's an old story. Anyways, I just want to tell you that this week's show is brought to you by Field Initiative Knives. If you're looking for a quality knife that's made by one of Creative Writing's good friends, go to Field underscore Initiative Knives on Instagram. There you can watch our own Chris Wiggins, hooligan racer and motorcycle enthusiast, enthusiast and enthusiast of all things mechanical, chop a Damascus knife in half with one of his field initiative knives. I use my field initiative every day. It's a tool. It's a weapon. It's a valuable, valuable friend. And uh, head over there. Great prices, great service, great quality. Uh, field initiative knives. And that's all you need to know. Buy my knife. Robo Wiggins, get back in the closet. For over 131 years and several months, Klobman's has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Klopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Klopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Klopman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Klopman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. All right, everybody, welcome back to Creative Writing. Thanks for hanging around after the break. Listen, I got a question for you. You ever hear those other podcasts talking about all the uh, tiered licensing laws and, yeah, you know, they do it like this and there in this country or that country. Well, listen, we got Matt back on the show. Uh, And if you're not 100% sure, Matt's coming from uh, a dojo in downtown Tokyo. (laughs) Uh, Motorcycle dojo. Motorcycle dojo. And, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those uh, crazy laws that you always hear people talk about. In Wiggins, from Wiggins to the Nokomoto Bros, everybody's always uh, making a statement about 400cc uh, bike limitations and what you can and can't do in, in, in these other countries. I don't think they know, to be honest. I think they're just full of shit. So we got a, a authoritative. Um, we could bleep that out for your kids, by the way. Just let me know. Um, <laughs> we got a we got an authority on the matter here with us tonight, and he's going to walk us through uh, some of these driving laws. So first and foremost, welcome back to the show, Matt. How is it in Japan? It is awesome, actually. It's another one of our uh, clear, crisp, cool blue sky days. Uh, a beautiful weekend for me here. Um, 
Yeah, you are something. like 42 hours ahead. I don't even know how that yes, works. Yes, yes. The, the, the space-time continuum is is alive and well. I am coming at you from the future. Right. Uh, is, Doc and, is Doc and Marty or Rick and Morty there? <laughs> uh, I think I think both. I think there nice. is a crossover there. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any DeLoreans. So, right. uh, you know, we'll hopefully... I, I would love to see one, but uh, yeah. we'll see. So, so how is tomorrow? Am I looking at... I'm looking at clear skies is what you're saying? Uh, tomorrow's a lot like yesterday. Uh, yeah. just a little bit warmer, I think a little bit brighter, nice. uh, you know, so nice. still, yeah, <laughs> Thank it's all you good. Coming at you from the future is good. Yeah. yeah. And, um, also from Japan, he's got state of the art, uh, futuristic recording equipment there. Uh, we kind of missed out on this last time you were on the show, but, uh, just quickly describe your setup in, in like a minute or less. You got, you got quite a banger there in, in the, the uh, technology capital of the world. Right. So, you know, being Japan, uh, I, I have all of the latest technology. I have a pair of $10 pink headphones that I borrowed from my oldest daughter, um, plugged into the back of the, the microphone here. The microphone's an actual real microphone. Uh, of course, uh, I don't have a stand for it. So I have a cheap $10 tripod mounted to a $1 selfie stick phone holder. Uh, plugged into the back of my uh, 15-year-old Mac computer. So, uh, right. you know, we're right there. You know, if, if you guys are hearing this, you know, and, and you're sounding good, it's like, yeah, it's uh, technology you could fix with a rock. So. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, and ironically destroy with a rock too. It, it, uh, yes. Yes. It's an improvised, being in the military, you know all the uh, acronyms and this is the improvised recording device. And I think you sound, you sound beautiful. You sound better well, thank than, you. Thank than you. I do on this uh, $30,000 getup that Tobor stole from uh, <laughs> Samsung, Samsung Industries. Um, so, hey, man. So getting into the nuts and bolts of this, week, of this week's episode, we have heard some crazy uh, uh, alleged, you know, they may, be, they may very well be true, but they may not. And I want to know what these uh, the CC laws are in Japan. I want to know what the crazy... Uh, driving laws are and 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 some of the road crazy road rules maybe if you've got a, a list there of like what's the craziest uh, thing you can get a ticket for um, and mm. I also want to know like what's the standards like what what is what is the um, uh, like as a tiered licensing like they have in, in some of Europe is it a is it a horsepower to to weight displacement so instead of just asking all these questions uh and never and just ending the show here like I was planning on doing just to be a troll I will I think uh, I will let you continue with these uh, with these answers and and my first question would be is there in fact a 400cc uh, limit on uh, road going motorcycles no there is not and, and uh, we'll get into some of the specifics later but there is a large bike class that is over 400ccs and despite the the country having uh, an average speed limit of about 25 miles an hour, you can see ZX-14s and Hayabusa's trolling down the road. Nice. I want to yeah. hear all about that. All right. So to, to get into it, uh, yes, Japan has an incredibly complex and convoluted licensing uh, road law displacement structure. And uh, I, I've had to find out about this because even though I am in the U.S. military stations in Japan, so I follow, you know, there's when I'm on base, I follow U.S. laws and, and military laws. When I'm out in town, I also have to follow Japanese laws. And so uh, they license us on base um, according to uh, kind of a blended system so that we can drive out in town. So you can, I can legally drive in the country of Japan using my military license. 
And so they've made the base motorcycle licensing rules blend with the out in town rules somewhat. When, when you go onto base, are you driving on the left-hand side of the road and as soon as you cross through the gates, you switch over to the right side of the road? Like, is it literally that different where you follow US rule on the base and uh, Japanese rule outside? No, for the, the bases actually keep the, the road laws, Japanese laws, because we have so many, uh, you know, contractors and delivery vehicles and, and actual, you know, local national workers on base. Gotcha. Uh, so, you, yeah, I, I, I drive on the left side of the road, um, which is not as weird as you think when you're talking about motorcycles. It is weird when you start getting into cars, but because a motorcycle, the controls don't change depend, you know, on which, whichever side of the road you're on. Right. Um, I find it very comfortable riding a motorcycle on the left hand side of the road. Cool. Uh, because, you know, I'm not, you know, suddenly the gas isn't on the wrong side and the blinkers aren't on the <laughs> wrong side. You know, you when know I what? get to the car, the wheels on the wrong side, the blinkers, like everybody in Japan, you always see when somebody's first driving in Japan, they go to hit their blinker and they turn on the windshield wipers. Windshield wipers, right. Yeah. And is the shifter on your left hand now too instead of the right hand? If you're driving, if you have the misfortune of driving a manual? Yeah, so if you drive a manual car, the shifter's on your left hand. God dang, yeah. That so the pedal arrangement is the same, so you still got, you know, from the from the right to the left, you got gas brake clutch, uh, but the shifter would be on the left-hand side, so you'd have Weird. to use your left hand to shift. Yeah, that'd be that'd take a second to get used to, but okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so it, it's pretty interesting, and I've had to I've had to get to know some of these things and and kind of become uh, a little bit of an expert. Um, I also am my command's uh, command motorcycle safety representative. It's one of the kind of the extra duties that I, I volunteered for, uh, and that's to help other people who want to ride in Japan figure out how to do it. Because it's as convoluted as the Japanese laws are. Uh, I could show you a, a flow chart for how to get your driver's license, your motorcycle driver's license as an American in Japan through the base. And it's incredibly complex. Uh, but when we talk about the Japanese uh, laws, uh, I'll break it down with, with some numbers. Five, three, four, and four. Five is the number of displacement categories that they peg the, the motorcycles into. Okay. So you have zero to 50 cc's, 51 to 125, 125 to 250, 250 to 400, and then 400 and up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And even in that that uh, that 50 to to 125 area, they break that down into 50 to 70, 70 to 90, and 90 to 125 for license plates. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a car license plate and a motorcycle license plate are a little different. Um, so it, it just, it gets really funky. Right. And then the next one was three. And three is the kind of vehicle categories. So you have in the zero to 50 CC class, you have one category. So then from 51 to 400 CCs, all of those motorcycles are in a separate class. And then the uh, above 400 CC, that's a, a third class. So okay. the classes are... Uh, the Japanese term for it is Gendokitsuki Jitensha, which literally means automatic machine attached to a bicycle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, the last time we talked, we talked about um, the Super Cub, right? Mm -hmm. and, I and, I, and, I, and I talked about how the first use of the Super Cub name was the Super Cub F as an, an engine kit that you could attach to a bicycle that right. was sold in the early 50s. And 
uh, like a lot of things in life, you know, kind of like, um, you know, uh, I was watching something earlier, kind of like the whole uh, uh, scooter share, like the birds and the limes and stuff like that. Right. And how, okay. how the technology came out first and then the laws followed right, once right. the technology was, was ubiquitous. Well, that's kind of what happened here. Bicycles were common. Bicycles were the kind of the everyman's transportation. Honda comes out with this kit um, to put a, an engine on a bicycle and suddenly you now have a new class of, of vehicle out there that they didn't have any rules or laws for. And so okay. then they came up with the Genski is the kind of the colloquial term, Genski bikes. Okay. And I'm going to assume that like all mopeds now would fall under that uh, category. Yeah, so a moped, uh, a, a, a motorcycle, full-on motorcycle like my Cub, which is 50 cc's, uh, your standard kind of plastic-bodied centrifugal clutch scooters, they all fall under that Genski class. Mm, gotcha. The cool thing about the Genski class is uh, somebody told me it might have changed recently, um, but if it did change, up until that change, you could buy and operate a Genski bike so a, a zero to 50 cc bike without getting a motorcycle specific license. So you could get, if you had a car driver's license for a car, you could buy and operate a Genski bike without getting a separate motorcycle endorsement for your bike. Right, okay, okay. Which, which is, uh, I, it, it, a lot of that's kind of the same in the States, right? They have, that, they have that moped law where as long as it's either under a certain CCs or a certain horsepower, you didn't need a license. You didn't need a motorcycle license to drive it. Right, right. Yeah. So then the next category is uh, Futsu Jido Nidin Shot, which means regular automatic two-wheeled vehicles. So basically, it, the automatic just comes from like the engine part, meaning you're, it's, it has an engine or a motor, um, and it's not powered not by human the human powered, body. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'd that, love to hear our Canadian, anybody from Canada try and pronounce that and send it into the show in an audio clip. I, I will uh, love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's like kind of like your, your motorcycle class. So technically- gotcha, right. Anything from 51 cc's to 400 cc's is a motorcycle, a quote-unquote motorcycle. Gotcha. Um, and so all of those cc sizes are lumped just under the kind of the type of motorcycle. Uh, and then everything above that is is an ogara jido nirensha, which means a large-size automatic two-wheeled vehicle. So gotcha. basically uh, a large bike. Right. Um, and so the, so you get into that, you, you get into the displacement class. So like I said, there's five different displacement categories, um, but there's only three different vehicle categories. Which right. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, that last one, um, I think uh, there was an addendum added to that. I, I don't even know how to begin to pronounce it, but I think it was a large vehicle type compensating for small penis type uh vehicle or something like that. I, yes, I that's in that, like the, the, the brackets under Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, like, a, yes, like yes. a subtitle, yeah. Yes, you know, <laughs> so like when you go down and you get the license and you look in there, you're so proud of your Hayabusa on the yeah. city streets of, of Yokosuka, <laughs> right. Japan. The clerk behind the counter goes, yes, here is your penis extension license. Please yeah, have right. at it, you know. Little eye roll and like, yeah. Yeah, a little here. eye roll and here you go, dude, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> nice. You know, just like any other, any other place, right? Uh, right. Compensation is the name of the game. Right. So then we get into the fours here. So the fours, right? So the next four is when you get into the actual licensing. 
So you have zero to 50 as a CC class, and then you have zero to 50 CCs as a motorcycle class. So then you also correspondingly have a zero to 50 licensure class. So like I said, um, I don't quite know if it's changed as far as uh, car driving license, basically getting a free Genski license along with it. Um, But if, if you have that, that's one thing. The reason it's a separate licensing class is because as young as, I believe, 16, you can go down and get a 0 to 50 cc license. Just a Genski with no car license. Genski with no car. Right, okay, okay. So you got to do the standard kind of stuff. You got to do like a written test and a, and a, and a driving test to do it. Um, but it is an actual license. Whereas you can't actually get a car license in Japan until you're 18. Okay, yeah. So this this is because even though Japan is very urban, the urban centers are very clustered. So you got the the, the Tokyo and what's called the Kanto Plain urban center, and you have the Kansai Plain, which is around Osaka. Those are the two giant urban metropolises that you can think of. And then a lot of the rest of Japan is actually very, very rural, and it's also very mountainous. And Mm -hmm. so you don't have a huge extensive public transportation system like where my 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 wife's uh, mom is from, you know, you have to you have to either have a car or you got to walk a lot. You yeah. Know? So that kind of opens it up to to allow younger kids to to who live out in the country to get to school or whatever. Gotcha. Right. Right. And I think and I've caught some Pokemon's in some of those regions. By the way, it sounds you familiar. know that's that's where you get the best ones, right? The, <laughs> and and those Pokemon's they make the best eating. You know, yeah. the, they they make for the best sushi. So right. I'm gonna have to try some of that when I go over to Japan. Yeah. So you have you have your zero to fifty Ginsky license, and then you have your um, your the one the fifty one to four hundred cc three displacement classes that go down into one bike class have two different license classes. Right. You mentioned those five um, cc classes or categories at the beginning, and so this kind of segments that in half, then it sounds like. Yeah, so you have 51 to 125 is a small size, regular two-wheeled vehicle license, and then you have the 125 to 400 becomes a regular sized two wheel vehicle license. Gotcha. Yeah. So that just breaks it up. Um, so w- what if you have a 125 cc? Do you straddle these lines? You know, like a lot of times in the with the 50 cc, depending here in what state or city you are or county you are within even the state of California, you can kind of get away with like not needing a license to ride a 50 cc scooter. Where other cities might be like, no, nah, listen, or, or the counties might look at that and go, man, it's a road going scooter. I don't, you know, if you need a helmet and it has turn signals and stuff, and it's a DOT licensed deal the 50 cc's doesn't matter or that 50 cc matters and it's 49 cc then it doesn't is is that how it is if you have a 125 is it like you're straddling the two licensing does it get kind of gray or do they have it pretty clearly defined so they they actually use like the manufacturer's calculated engine size oh, okay okay gotcha. it's like my cub my cub is actually when you when you throw in the bore and stroke and run the numbers it's actually 49 cc's right so it counts in that lower class if Got i you. if i were to you know let's say i i uh i threw a slightly bigger piston in there and you know bored it out through slightly and made it actually 50 cc's or you know 50.5 cc's 
that would bump me up the next class. Crazy. Okay, yeah. So it's exactly. I got you. Okay. So it's yeah, they're pretty, pretty exact pretty on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The 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 version of a Japanese title lists the engine size in um, in liters. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So you got these two classes for the for the two license classes for the bikes, and all that does is just separate. Um, separate into uh you know age and and experience levels and stuff like that so if you get if you're 16 you get yourself a genski license you're zipping around you know going to your part-time job on a scooter you know doing things and you get i think you get like uh, it's either one year or two years worth of driving experience you can then test up to a bigger size bike okay yeah and then the same thing when you get your regular size license you have to have some experience level before you could test up to your large size license so when you hit right. that 400 cc's you need the large size license right you're going from and, a 125 to even like a 126 you need to get that next license yeah uh, you'd category. have to get the the regular license right on that one. yeah so that, that and that that's why so with these di- weird displacement categories like i know people go why would why would honda send out a bike of this size I'm like why would they do that and and you know like it doesn't make any sense in america and it's because honda doesn't give any f's about american licensing laws yeah. you know they make their stuff that fits the laws here in japan and other parts of the world yeah. and then they just decide to bring it over to the states and right. sell it as is just like like the honda navi right that wasn't that an indian motorcycle yeah and and they were in mexico for quite a while too and they yeah. finally have made it over the border up you know uh the border wall didn't keep the navy out of the states, so it's here this year. And I, I thought it was uh, it was gone from uh, Mexico last year too. But I mean, mm-hmm. I guess with COVID being a worldwide thing, uh, you know, numbers were down. But to see something small like that make it up here tells me that there's a big interest here where you don't have any requirements. You know, and the, and the yeah. only I think the biggest requirement is that your age. You're the you can't carry a passenger until you're a certain age, and right after dark in some states. Um, that's the only thing holding an American back. So to have this smaller vehicles be popular over here now is, is says a lot. Where over there, it sounds yeah. like it's a budget and a planning sort of thing. Yeah. So the the Honda Navi, from what I understand, uses a 110 cc engine that Honda uses in almost all of their their mm-hmm. you know cheap little plastic scooters. Mm-hmm. So you know they're punching these out you know by the thousands. You know these little engines here. Um, and that's and that's a lot of what it is. Like, uh, do you remember when the SR four hundred came to the states? Yeah, briefly. I mean, it was only here for like a year and a half or two right. years. And all the hipsters snapped them up, and now yep. you know, then they were selling. But a lot of people were were poo pooing about why would you do a four hundred cc motorcycle that's kickstart only? And the reason yeah. is that four hundred cc limit keeps it in the regular sized licensing category. Right. Doesn't break the Japanese laws. And the Kickstarter, they've been making that motorcycle since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Honda didn't do a single thing to it to make it ready for America for that American version. Right. That's why they did it. It didn't cost them anything. They just put right. a bunch on a ship and pointed the ship in the other direction. Yeah. You know? they, so they, they uh, I know I have I have an SR250, and when that 400 came out, I was really tempted to buy it, and I, I had a feeling it was only going to be a couple of years here, though, and I hate finding parts for those things after they're mm-hmm. gone, so it's like not worth it at that point, you know? Well, like, they're, they're pretty abundant over here, and, and now I know. that I've been over I, here, and, and I know how to, <laughs> like, I know how to order parts online, and then, yeah. you know, they have a bunch of stuff here where you can order, because, you know, Japanese things 
real domestic Japanese things that are getting really popular in the States. There's a lot of companies here that, that, that do drop shipping stuff.、Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like、uh, Amazon Japan here, you have to have a, a Japanese credit card. No, you don't have to have a Japanese credit card, but you have to have a Japanese address. Right, right. So there's things like that where you try to sign up to buy things and they're like,、uh, they won't sell overseas. I know、right. uh, the big auction site here is Yahoo Auctions. And I, I've gone to Yahoo Auctions. I've actually bought a lot of parts for my, my older XJR 400 here、um, using Yahoo Auctions. Right. And, you know, there's, there's notes in, like, the, you know, the seller puts notes. They, they, they will put, like, no overseas buyers because they、right. don't want to have to try to deal with the shipping and、yep. all of that kind of thing.、Yep. Because people are coming, are, are finding out, you know, with Google Translate, they're, they're finding these sites and they're trying to get these things that they can't get, you know, in Europe or the States. Yeah. But then the sellers here are not prepared to, to pay for international shipping or, or do all、right. that kind of thing.、So. And, and I, I don't want to get off a tangent from these numbers either、uh, and, and, and the topic at hand, but I do want to say that, that your, your XJ、uh, also 400 and、yep. some of the VFR 400s that were super popular over there, and I wish they would come over here. I, I really love that 400 class, and, and、um, they do make a lot of cool 400s. Uh, oh, and 250s. The, yeah, the, the, the 400 class was so, is so prolific here in Japan.、Yeah. And uh, uh, kind of、uh, side note to other, side note to the side note to the side note, other topics that we've talked about or that have been talked about in the past, the most common displacement class for a Bosuzoka bike is the 400cc class. Right. Because again, they don't have to take the big bike license. And from what I've heard and what I've seen on Japanese、uh, YouTube videos, It is no joke to get your big bike license. Yeah. They, 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 you do your testing in testing facilities that are laid out like a small town with、oh, crosswalks, traffic、wow. signals.、Um, you have to do that. There's this one thing you basically have to ride down a three meter long train track along the train track without falling off. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. So it's, it is a, it's a no joke thing. And that's why there's that 400cc brake. And that's why here in Japan, there's a lot of 400cc bikes. Yeah. Because that's a natural brake in the licensing laws. And you can, you can, you know, they just, they're just going to, the manufacturer is going to make it to that licensing law. Right. You do、know? you think they do, you think they make it so hard to kind of discourage people from wanting to get larger bikes because they just don't want the、uh, liability and the traffic accidents and the emissions that comes along with bigger motorcycles? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah.、Uh, like I said, the、um, kind of the average speed limit within、uh, a city center is 40 kilometers an hour. Do、like、the 20, math 25. 20, 25. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So some of those, you know, I know a lot of people talk about, they rave, oh, I want to go to Japan. I want to ride those butter smooth roads. They are. They're butter smooth. They're beautifully maintained. Some of the mountain roads, great views, curve after curve of butter smooth, expertly maintained roads, 25 miles an hour,、yeah. heavily patrolled by cops. Because they're not shredded. That's why they're so butter smooth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because they have cops out there who will、yeah. get you for 42 in a 40 zone. Yeah.、Um, oh, and, and then their licensing, their, you know, their point system is pretty tough. And if you get your license suspended, you've got to wait like a year. Then you've got to go do all of your retesting. 
Yeah. My wife, in order to get her car driver's license, spent $3,000 on driving school 20 years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago, I think, yeah. to get her driver's license. So it's no joke. Getting a car license is no joke. And then, like in Tokyo itself, in urban city center Tokyo, before you can buy a vehicle, you have to prove to the salesman through official city documentation that you have either a, a bought, you know, an owned or rented contract for a parking spot. Holy cow. So it's like it's like the joke on Seinfeld about living in New York and, and having a parking spot and, but never driving because if you get out of that parking spot, you won't have it then, right? Yeah, no, I mean, really, yeah. 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 So there's, you you know, and that's why motorcycles and scooters are easier because it's easier to rent those, get those spots. They're a lot cheaper. Um, you know, it, it's it's just, it's, it's a whole different animal when it comes over here. It's so crazy too, thinking of how great the Japanese products are and how... The, even the cars, big car, you know, big Toyotas and stuff and big Hondas that come over here, um, how they probably don't exist there because there's not, uh, a, or at least urban, because there's not a, uh, a spot. And to think that those are developed there for this market, specifically because they're not using them in Japan, it doesn't sound like, you know. Well, they are getting bigger. Cars are getting bigger. Mm -hmm. um, they are, you know, they're, they're bigger, they're heavier, they're fully bloated. Um, but the the road laws, which is the next one, right? So we talked about the five displacement categories, right, the right. three bike classes, the four licensing categories. Well, then right. there's also four sets of road laws. Um, and so car road laws, bike road laws are a little different. Um, just like in the kind of the city centers, 40 kilometers an hour is your average uh, speed limit. Most of the highways here in Japan have an 80 kilometer speed limit, <sighs> 50 miles an hour. Right. Jeez. Um, there are a couple of stretches. There's one stretch up north that we rode uh, going out to country. It was a 100 kilometer stretch for, you know, probably 5, 10, 20 miles, something like that. And, and then that's uh, like 65, right? Or 60. Yeah, that's like 62 or something. There you go. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that, right. And so then uh, we went uh, we went and visited a friend a couple of months ago uh, in, a, in kind of in central Japan. And we rode uh, through Shizuoka Prefecture. Shizuoka Prefecture is uh, one of the two prefectures that, that has Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji lies on the border between two prefectures. And a prefecture is basically like a, a county that functions govern, uh, government-wise more like a state. Okay. So Mount Fuji straddles the border between two prefectures. Shizuoka is the, the kind of the one prefecture. Um, Shizuoka, there's a stretch right around the Hamamatsu area uh, which Hamamatsu is the current location of Yamaha and Suzuki. And right. uh, Honda also used to be located in Hamamatsu. Um, but uh, there's a 120-kilometer stretch where you can do 120. And there, you're, you're finally, like, driving, like, you feel like a normal speed, you know? Was, yeah. My wife and I, we lived in California for six years before we moved to Japan this time. To, hey, do the, to do the con conversion, 120 would be slow. <laughs> oh, it know? is. It is. But I mean, <laughs> at least it feels like, you know, you, you, you're riding yeah. in California, you feel like, okay, I got to do 83. Like, yeah. you know, 83 and I don't get run over. Exactly. And so you drive at 83 miles an hour for six years on the freeway over there. And then you come over here, your body is like, I, I, I have to do 83, well, yeah. you know. But 83 here is enough to get you arrested on the spot. Yeah. Like literally arrested yeah. on the spot. You, you you will have full points on your license. You will be arrested. Your car will be towed. You will be uh, you will be severely penalized. It'll be on the news probably. I mean, it'll probably be a big deal, you know? Yeah. 
So the crazy. the last number, the last four, so it was five, three, four, four. The last four is the road laws. And the road laws are kind of funky. Um, so again, that zero to 50 CC bike, that's kind of like a straight down when you look at the chart. Zero to 50 on displacement, zero to 50 on the motorcycle type, zero to 50 on the licensing, and then zero to 50 on the road laws. So I think uh, the last time we talked, I talked about the Super Cub, that the instrumentation, very basic, speedometer, turn signal, neutral light, but it also has a speed warning light. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, you did yeah. mention that. So the speed warning light is, it's a little light, and I'm sure it's just like a little capacitor, a little, little coil or something like that. But it actually says on the speedometer, it says speed warning light. And what happens is, is if I get above 30 kilometers an hour, it flashes. Okay. And the faster I go, the faster it flashes. And I think, uh, I think Miss Emma one time talked about uh, a kind of like an urban myth about uh, how all motorcycle helmets in Japan in the, in the 50s were white because if you were driving and exceeding the speed limit, the red light would bounce off the white helmet. Making that easy for the cops. Making to it for easy for the cop. Uh -huh. I, there's no way. Uh, you know, the, yeah. That light is not big enough to, to flash like that, but it literally is a flashing light that says you are going too fast. And that is yeah. because for the zero to 50 CC class, no matter what road you're on, you're limited to a top speed of 30 kilometers an hour. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, now, if you were to take a, uh, I'm not sure, maybe you'll get into this right now, but if you have a, a 50, zero to 50 um, licensed vehicle or regulated vehicle, can you even get on some of these roads that have like a, uh, you know, a 60 um, speed limit? Is there a special lane for you or are you just not allowed on a period? You're not allowed. Yeah. Got so you, got you. Uh, very much like in the States, uh, you can't, you can't go onto a Japanese freeway with anything smaller than a 125 bike, gotcha. 125cc bike. And it has to be like a, an actual 125cc. So the new Hunter Cub and the new Super Cubs, those are actually like, you know, 124.1ccs or something like that. And, right. and you cannot go on those, the highways. And, and the, the person who's at the toll booth will knows because they know what the Cub looks like and they know a Cub shouldn't be there. But the actual license plate, so the, the license plates, you have zero to 50, uh, 50 to 70 and then 70 to or no 50 to 90 and then 90 to 125 you have different color license plates and okay. the license plates are a little different shape so they're, they're smaller a smaller rectangle but then instead of just being a rectangle the two upper corners are kind of lopped off okay and so that tells you that that is a motorcycle of the smaller displacement categories bike and gotcha. then the color, like in my town, so a lot of the towns use similar color schemes because it's one one thing, um, kind of, I'm jumping around here, but above 125cc, you have to do your licensing and kind of like safety inspection and registration stuff. You have to through, do that through your prefecture, like at a DMV. Right, okay. Under 125cc, there is no safety inspection and you do your registration through your local city office. Oh, so because because you should technically only be in the city, right? I mean, yes, kind yeah. of. Basically, it's kind of the thing. And so, like, my road tax for my cub is five dollars a year to pay my registration road oh, tax. Oh, so sick. Yeah. Um, 
So once you get above 125, right, then you get a license plate that's that's a motorcycle shaped license plate. And so then if you if you drove a, a Super Cub with a bumped up engine, like if you bore out the engine of your Super Cub and you go down to the city office and you say, hey, I've bumped up the engine, you can you can change your bike classes. Gotcha. Yeah. So then so, you would get a regular license plate and you'd be able to get on the freeway. Right. And that license plate is probably for that. If they see a Cub, but it doesn't have the top lopped off they know that it's been bumped up and it is legal so they're not right. gonna bust your nut yeah top. so zero to 50 cc's you have a white plate 50 to 90 you have a yellow plate and 90 and above you have a pink plate in my okay. town okay. yeah and then for some reason because i i guess so being in the navy here we have completely separate plates than the local nationals oh weird so yeah so um the, they have, you know, a set of Japanese symbols, you know, characters and numbers on their plates. Um, and then, like, all of our plates have the character Y. Okay. For, for <laughs> Navy, right? Yeah, I guess. It, it just means status of forces agreement uh, plate. Um, now, my my motorcycle plate is has the letter B, which stands for sofa plate. But it's this, like, baby blue color, which no other plates have. Gotcha. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. That'd be cool if you got to keep it when you. <laughs> well, I when I you know depending on what I do, I want to I want to try to like I want to try to keep it uh, you know and, and and I think I could schmooze the clerk at the city office there about keeping yeah. it you know you yeah. use my Japanese and kind of like hey you know I want to take this home as a souvenir and stuff like that. Yeah, I used my Japanese once and was immediately thrown in jail and uh, did not work out so good. For me. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it, it's it's a, it's a it's a skill. You got yeah. you got to refine it. You know, so there's very fine diphthongs that don't exist in english that i found out very quickly make a yeah. big difference yeah so you got those four road laws so again you got the zero to 50 road laws you got the the 51 to 125 road laws and those road laws limit you to a maximum speed of 60 kilometers an hour for that second class and then okay. once you get above uh above the 125s you start getting into um no you know kind of there's there's two sets of road laws but there's there's not a whole lot about it and right. weirdly enough the road laws break at 250 and not 400. Hmm. So now that's why there's also a lot of 250 sized bikes in Japan. Oh, right. That would make sense. Yeah. So it, it's just a weird thing like that. Um, for And here's another weird little thing for mine. Um, you know, so uh, I drive on the left hand side of the road, not the right hand side of the road. So making a right hand turn at an intersection is the equivalent of making a left hand turn at an intersection in the States. Right. right. So you got to cross traffic. Right, right. Um, I am not allowed to make right-hand turns if there are three travel lanes or more in the direction I'm going. Because uh, On the Cub or just because? On the Cub. Oh, okay. Because okay. apparently it's supposed, you know, kind of the thinking, I guess, would be the engine is too small for you to safely travel across <laughs> those many traffic right. lanes in time to not get smashed. Right, you know? right, right. That's exactly what I was thinking, right, as you were saying, is that if, if something happens and there's a moment there where you need to pin it, guess what? You're not really going to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like if I'm in if I'm in second gear and I'm trying to, you know, full throttle pin, it's, it's, I'm creeping at the speed of a snail there. So right, uh, I'll, I'll likely get T-boned um, by okay, the delivery truck. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. And, and that could be a boulevard, a main boulevard in town. Uh, oh, in, yeah. In, yeah. In like California. I have to go home. I have to go home through a special route so that I avoid needing to try to make these right hand turns. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And now they do have what's called. I'm going to cough here in just one second. 
You know what? You, you could follow the Amazon drivers because in Japan, they would be making only left turns. Only know? left turns, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have what's called a nidankai, which means a two-step turn. So here, I'll, I'll walk you through it, I'll walk you through the scenario. So there I am, right? I'm going home from work, long day at work, trying to get home to my, my Kirin beer and my sushi. You know, yeah. Like, that I have every day. Because Pokemon sushi, it. baby. Yeah. And so um, I need to make a right-hand turn. Okay, it's three lanes of traffic. I'm not allowed to do that. So what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to be in the left-hand lane. I put on my right turn signal. I go through the intersection, stopping in front of the cross-traffic crosswalk and point uh-huh. my vehicle to cross the traffic. And then I wait for the green light there, then go across. So you kind of turn into like a hybrid pedestrian at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. I did it one time. (laughs) It confuses the crap out of people because even though that's a thing in Japan, when you put on your right turn signal and then turn left, it confuses everybody. Which It's it's the most ridiculous rule. Um, I've, I've... I let's just say for the purpose of uh, the NSA and the Japanese version of the NSA who could or could not be listening in any time, I may or may not have broken that law a few times. Yeah, you didn't, uh, but you might. You, theoretically, you could have. Theoretically, I could have because, you know, hey, I was driving. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I'm, uh, you know, whatever, all those kind of reasons. But, and it uh, doesn't make sense. That's just a weird rule. Yeah, for- it, it's a really weird rule. Um, and then so there'll be there'll be intersections where. Like uh, there's some T intersections around where I live, where it's a T intersection. And so there's basically no cross street going to the right. And so there, there'll be a sign on the side of the road that basically says no two step turns. So in those cases, I'm allowed to do a standard right hand turn like gotcha. any other, anybody else. God but that's dang. also where, why a lot of people will take little cubs like mine and they'll bump them up. Because once you yeah. get above 50 cc's, then you don't have to do the two step turns anymore. Yeah, that's so ridiculous to, you know, it's still a, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I, I, I get it. You know, you I mean, it, it, it made sense, you know, 50 years ago right, is, is right. the way it was. And, and that's the thing, like a lot of the Japanese laws, road laws, they haven't kept up with the times. Yeah. Um, well, hey, they don't have Amish there, do they? Because, I mean, we still have <laughs> cart and horse rules here in the States in some places, technically. No, but you know those little K-trucks that everybody likes to, to import to the States now that they've hit 25 years old? Yeah. Yeah, those little K-trucks are a pain in the butt, man. Yeah, those yeah. things uh, fully loaded. I mean, those guys will load them, you know, load them fully loaded, right? And those things only have 600 cc's to right. their name. Right, And uh, you get stuck behind a K-truck and it's, yeah, it's it's pretty much like being stuck behind an Amish buggy. Yeah, heck yeah, man. I've, you know, I used to live in San Diego and sometimes uh, going down by TJ, there'll be a, a guy in a, like a 1978 Toyota pickup, but it's loaded with about 30,000 pounds of pallets that are stacked 25 feet high, just wobbling back and forth. And it's the same sort of thing. He can only drive about 10 miles an hour or they're tipping over and taking the truck with it. So I could imagine it's something like that where you might as well just have a horse pulling that yeah. <laughs> pulling that thing. So that's pretty crazy. And and like you're saying, I mean, it does make sense. Um, for 50 years ago, and, and and as vehicles are becoming more powerful, it may not, might not make sense, but it kind of sounds like you're limited also. Like, I don't know if the CCs and the power has anything to do with each other. Are, are they limited? Not they anymore, really. Yeah. I right. mean, okay. uh, nowadays with modern technology, you know, my, my little cub can do you know, four horsepower and, and I could throw on a 70 CC kit and, you know, get seven horsepower out of it. Uh, but they also, they still do sell 50 CC two stroke scooters here. 
that that nominally have a little more power than my four stroke um, yeah. and make a lot of noise. So right, right. Um, and now, as far as um, as far as uh, the what I'm thinking of is like the the Ninja 400. Now all of a sudden makes sense hearing you talk about that class. The SR 400 that you mentioned makes sense, um, and a lot of the 400 stuff. So Honda. Um, let me let me think. Suzuki has a lot of 200, 250, and 400 things, um, and I believe Kawasaki's on that tip too. But now we get into like the 300s and the 500s. So I know Honda has a lot of 300s and 500s, um, and if they don't really care about exporting them, and it's more based around the rules there, is that something that helps to clearly define the under 400 and over 400 class then for them? Uh, or is there not a lot of 500s around Honda or around? Right. Like so yeah, you don't you don't have a lot of 500s. Um, gotcha. There, there's just not a lot of 500s here. So everything really does that. That 400 and f- under 400 and over 400 break is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, because again, because once you do that, you cross over into needing a whole new license. Right. And, and people just don't want to deal with the expense and the hassle. And and like I said, when you're when you when you can only do 50 miles an hour on the freeway and 25 miles an hour in town, you don't need yeah. 1300 cc's, you know, nope. <laughs> my, my XJR 400, um, you know, it was a inline four air cooled 400 cc bike. God, I want that, that so bad. It was wonderful when I got it on the freeway, slicing up and down through six gears, you know, cause it, it had a super peaky engine. It was like 11.5 red line. Oh I think God. peak horsepower was at 9,000 RPM. Right. So you know, you had to you had to work the gears and row the gears and oh great. Trying to commute to work, abomination. Just yeah. absolutely terrible. Because I had to slip the clutch at thirty three thousand uh, RPM uh, yeah. just to get off the line. I could only get up into second gear. Right. And even uh, in second <laughs> gear, I'm running at like quarter throttle. I was gonna ask if your whole commute was a second gear commute at twenty because that's what exactly what I was thinking. Is like you must have just rode around in second all the time. Second gear must be a pretty popular gear to replace in Japan then, you know. And, and I, I could imagine I could see it. You know, my sixth gear is like got no love at all, but my right. second gear was working hard. You know, first and second gear were just working working you crazy there. Pop the case open there. They're almost powder and six gear look like just came yeah, out of the box. No dogs know? left at all on those things. Yeah, you know? crazy. And it yeah. sounds, dude, inline four, 400 cc. Oh my God, my heart is breaking that they don't send more of those over here. And even the 500s that Honda's sending over, um, most of the Japanese 500s we have over here and 400s are thumpers or twins, you know? And it's like, right, man, yeah. I want I uh, an inline four or or the little V4, uh, the, you know, little Honda um Oh VFR yeah, some of the, the Honda VFR four. I looked those God. up online here, and they still sell for good money over here. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, yeah. And, and if I would have done, you know, I I kind of I I did research before I bought my first bike, um, but I I saw that XJR four hundred, and I kind of fell in love with the style. So it was a it was a early or it was a late nineties bike that still had a bit of that kind of seventies eighties super bike look to it. Yep. A uh, little more rounded, little more thing. It really reminded me of my FZ one back in the States. And, uh, I, I bought it and it was a good, it was an easy sale. Um, but once I started riding it, I was like, Oh man, I, I should have got a twin. Uh, the twin around town, I think a twin 400 around town would have been so much more, uh, fun. 
just because right. the torque, you know, right. um, using the torque instead of, because I literally, uh, I went to this one road and uh, I, it was a little mountain road. So it's just this little tiny pass that I know about. And I, I, you know, booked it on the freeway, got off this road, got it, hit like two turns, hit traffic. I was in traffic on this maybe three mile hill for 40 minutes. Oh God, and, ruiner. <laughs> yeah, and out of that three miles, two and a half is uphill. And then it's like a steep, quick downhill till the traffic oh, light. Oh no. I was smoking the clutch. Like it, it got so bad. Usually I'm a you know, two finger clutch type of guy, right? Well, then I had to go to full four fingers to, to give the clutch enough travel that I could idle. And even then it was starting to drag down the bike because everything was getting hot. Cause it's like I said, oh, it's a 400 CC inline four air cooled bike. Right. So stuck in traffic like that. I stalled it two or three times. Uh, once I even like jumped out into oncoming traffic past like four or five cars and zipped in just to try to, you know, try to get some airflow and move and going. Right. Um, but I was, I was super pissed. Um, uh, so that's just, like another part of like driving in Japan. Like not only are there speed limits, but you know how back in the States, like a lot of the lights are, uh, they're controlled with an inductive loop, right? So they, you, you get enough traffic on, especially California's California's got a lot of inductive loops. So they know when there's one car and they know when there's 10 cars at a light, you know, stuff like that. All of the lights here in Japan are straight timers only. Yeah. So you will be stuck at a traffic light and there will be no cross traffic whatsoever because it's just a 100% timer system. And each one is individual on its individual timer. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, maybe 50 years ago, that timing system was calculated to work really well and everybody could flow from one light to the next. Now there's so much traffic that you just you just can't. Yeah. And uh, so the cub makes a lot more sense just trying to do normal commuting. God, it, just, it just proves like like a supermodel, like a, um, you know, luxury car, whatever it is, whatever your fantasy is. It just this is just more proof that it's usually not worth it once you get there and you realize like you can't drive your Ferrari 200 miles an hour on the freeway you know um, your most you know beautiful bike that you can think of or, or like the, this little 400 fantasy that I have is only good for the states and unfortunately they just don't bring the bikes over here so I mean it's just it ruins that ruins it well that's, that's <laughs> the thing you know nowadays right so right now we're hitting that 25 year limit yeah. and which yeah. is starting to really open up a lot of really cool JDM bikes I hope that so. are now yeah. able to and and um and I've seen it. There's, I follow this one page on Facebook. I think it, I, I forgot this name, but they, they are tied into the Japanese secondary sales auction service system. So there's a lot of wholesalers, auction wholesalers here. And you have to, you know, it's kind of like the thing, you have to have that dealer license and all that kind of thing. And so they're tied into that system. And um, you, you basically tell them, hey, I want that, I want a, you know, I want a 1987 VFR 400. You know, right. I, I don't know if there is a VFR 400, but, you know, an 87 one, but let's say there is, right? Yeah. And they will go. Somewhere around that time, yeah. Yeah, so somewhere around that time, right? So they will go out and they will search the auction sites and find you one. And you say, hey, I want to bid up to whatever. So they will take it. They will, they will buy it. They will import it. They will get it titled. <clears throat> excuse me. They will get it titled and ready to go for the States. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of things like that that are starting to pop up because of the 25-year limit. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when you really got into the 80s is when the Japanese really exploded in, in trying to do models. If you go on Wikipedia and you look up, like, Yamaha models or Honda models or Suzuki, whatever, 
you will look and they will have 200 model designations listed. And you look at those and go, yeah, maybe 10% of these ever made it to the States. Yeah, oh um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There are so many bikes that Japan just made. All, like, Honda is well known for all different engine sizes and configurations, but literally all of the other manufacturers are the same way. They just never sent them anywhere. It was yeah. kind of like Japan was its own little, like, Petri dish. And, and you know, they, they kind of threw something in the Petri dish and let it grow and see what happens. And then if it got really good, <clears throat> Excuse me. If it got really good, then they would maybe import it to Europe or the States or something like right. that. Right. And I was going to say, without without a tiered licensing system and without any tiered road laws to back it up, you don't have that necessity for a small or uh, that big of a range of bikes. And I'm, I'm always surprised when I'm looking at Honda and they've got, you know, a 120, a one, well, they got like a, a Super Cub. Everything starts at like 110-ish now. But even the scooters, they still make some 50cc scooters all the way up through the, you know, you can almost go per cc to 110, uh, 125, uh, 250, you know, a couple 200s, 250s, 230s. I mean, I think they have a mm -hmm. couple 230 dirt bikes and, and dual sports, uh, 300s. 400s, uh, 450s, uh, 500s, you know, 650s, and it's like, Honda, where do you stop? And they got a, the 750, uh, they still have the CBX 750, and I think they're going to bring like another 750 over here pretty soon. 1100, you know, 1200. They just, they go, it's like every 50 cc's, and I can't believe that they could sell that many. And it sounds like that's just a portion of what, <laughs> you it's know, a what tiny would, fraction of yeah, what, what they have actually done there. The past. Yeah. That is so crazy. That is so it, nuts. It's pretty cool. And it's, it's really neat. Like, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting to the point where I am now with being able to read and write and speak Japanese, I, I can cruise the auction sites. I can cruise some of the other sites and I can see things and I could kind of figure out kind of what, what prices correspond to what conditions. And there's some yeah. really cool stuff out there. And Man. it's, 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 a, it's, it, you know, uh, it's one of those things, okay, maybe in the future I could figure out how to turn, you know, my passion, love of motorcycles, plus my knowledge of the Japanese market to turn it into something cool. Uh, you know, it just, I just got to kind of figure out where the niche is, you know, and yeah. because the, the state's being so big. Yeah, I, that business might be able to, to be popular in, you know, West Coast, Southern California. Um, but then you get to Florida and you just go to Florida. And it's like, no, you know, nothing, nothing under uh, 500 cc's does anything right, in, right. in Florida because it's exactly. straight and flat. And if it, if it's a V twin, you can, you can buy them a dime a dozen, right. you know, uh, but anything cool and fun is not, not available in Florida. So. Yeah. I don't want to put any ideas in your mind, but you could be really big at vintage days in Ohio having this, uh, you know, this line right here. And, and, and it'd be a good excuse to go back and see your, your in-laws in Japan for a couple times a year, go grab a, a container full of <laughs> these crazy bikes. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've actually looked into it because, uh, you know, like, so my, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my super cub is a 2005. So, um, I wouldn't be able to legally bring it back to the States with me. Yeah. So, but because it's the size of a BMX bike, I could take it apart, pack it in a few boxes and they'll ship it with my stuff. Yeah. And because I'm military, it's not like customs usually digs through the military stuff. You yeah. Know? Um, so I could then do that, put it back together where I get to Florida. Yeah. <clears throat> And then I, I could probably take it up to vintage days and then, you know, somebody would buy it from me up there, even if they, you know, whatever. Because I, I could probably do the Vermont thing, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Vermont, they love uh, motorsports. Um, but I was thinking of like getting a container and buying a bunch of these 25-year-old oh yeah. clubs and bringing them to the States. Uh. And uh, 
maybe once the whole global shipping worldwide crisis chills out and you could get containers for, you know, 500 bucks like you used to, yeah. where now it's like, what, what, a, a 20 foot container is like $10,000, $15,000? Yeah, people started building houses out of them and selling them for $20 bajillion. It's like, okay, let's yeah. make this container. Yeah, I, they used to be under a thousand bucks and now they're quite a bit. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, and not, I, I didn't want to get off topic because I did want to, I, I heard you talk about splitting lanes um, there, but I mean, just hearing about these bikes and, and this opportunity, you know, I could not, couldn't not mention that. That's, that's a, yeah, well, such an opportunity. Yeah, so onto the splitting lanes thing. So uh, lane splitting is is weird, right? Everybody thinks of uh, Japan as one of those lane splitting countries, and it can. And I'd have to say, technically yes, but mostly no. So back to that whole zero to fifty uh, licensing displacement CC road laws class. As a fifty CC bike, I am supposed to stay on the left hand side of the road within one meter of the curb. Right, at all times. the bike lane in the States. Yes, technically the bike lane. You're supposed to stay in the bike lane, right? And so, so naturally when I come to one of these multiple stoplights and these very slow roads that are very congested that are just going off on timers based on nothing other than the fact that it's on a timer, <laughs> that means that there's many times when I am basically splitting lanes between the car and the curb. And so I go straight to the stoplight and then I go through the intersection, you know, and, and, it, and it's effectively lane splitting. So it's not like it's lane splitting is legal. It's just that the Genski laws say that you have to do this, which turns into lane splitting. Right. That doesn't mean that other bigger motorcycles don't use the fact that there's so many little scooters lane splitting to then illegally lane split. And the cops are pretty apathetic about the whole thing. Gotcha. So, it's kind of one of those like California used to be where, it w well, so it is technically illegal in Japan, unlike lane splitting was in uh, California, but it's so ubiquitous that nobody gets pulled over for lane splitting. Gotcha. They, they, they probably use it as like an ace in the hole. If they really want to pull you over and bust your nuts for something they think you're doing, they probably use that as a, hey, hey, like, right. you know, we need we need to pull them over. Use that as an excuse, you know? Yeah. So they, they've got a, you know, it's one of those things, right? Like, uh, so not wearing a helmet, right? You have to wear a helmet in Japan. Um, loud exhaust, a loud exhaust will get you pulled over. Um, that's one of those Bosozoku laws because those guys like to, uh, to, to do straight pipes. And then, the, you know, they use the straight pipes and then they use the, the, the calls. Have you ever heard the, the Bosozoku uh, calls? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, so those are pretty cool, right? So they would use the noise to, to pull over Bosozoku guys uh, for stuff. Uh, and then they, it's one of the things they can say, yeah, you know, this guy looks shady. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to pull him over because he's clearly on a bigger bike, but he's doing the lane splitting thing. So, yeah, um, but, it, you know, now it I, I was all about it, lane splitting and, and coming to Japan. I've gotten much better at riding in the rain because it's so much more rain than there was in California. So I've gotten right in rain. I, you know, I've got to ride in the snow, uh, getting a little bit better at lane splitting. I wasn't a great lane splitter back in the States. Just it, it always freaked me out. Um, just with California. Yeah. Uh, I would only do it when it was like when you're on the stopped freeways. My buddies would be the lane splitters at 60, you know, yeah. the traffic is flying at 60 <laughs> and they're splitting lanes. And I'm just like, I don't need to do this now. Okay, traffic is at zero and I'm going to do 15. Good to go, right? Yeah. But I'm getting much more uh, comfortable lane splitting here. Uh, September, I, I, did get, I did get hit. Um, I was on the way home and traffic was stopped at a light and I was going through the light because I was able to go through on my little Genski lane there and a car I guess got tired of waiting and turned left into me knocking me over 
Um, no damage to me. A uh, couple of scratches on the cub. The the kind of insult to injury after we got everything done when the cop came and took the, the report and all this other stuff was that my turn signal, my left turn signal broke and uh, it wouldn't flash. And so he said, well, how far do you live? And I said, well, that's actually not down, not too far. It's maybe like, you know, an eighth of a mile down the street. And he said, well, I, I can't, because it doesn't work. I can't let you, I can't let you drive. You have to push the bike. So after oh. getting side I had to push the bike home. What uh, a jerk. Oh yeah. I was, I was kind of, I was kind of pissed there and I had to push it like <laughs> on the sidewalk so that I could, oh. you know, busy on traffic. So there oh. I am like walking in full motorcycle gear because in the Navy, I have to wear full gear. Right. Um, so I'm walking in full gear, full face helmet, pushing this little cub on the sidewalk, getting all kinds of strange looks. And I'm just like, I just got hit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's Which reminds tough. me, I need to contact my insurance guy because they're still negotiating a settlement. With that. Right. Yeah. They told me that they just got a I just got a text from them, by the way. They said to have you call right after the show. Okay. Man. All right. I'll get right on it. Um, to wrap this baby up, uh, what is the what would you say would be like the craziest um law that you know of uh and 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 may, maybe just fair warning for someone coming over there to japan the first time expecting to like be able to do dank hoolies down the freeway what would you say is the the craziest law uh besides these super slow speed limits um and then maybe a um a writing tip like where to go if you actually do want to hit some good roads uh and see some good sites okay craziest law uh, craziest law. So, uh, because we're getting into the wild, wild west of electrically powered things, right? So, uh, the Japanese, they actually, with their displacement categories, they very quickly and very simply converted those displacement laws into equivalent uh, power ratings for electrical things. I gotcha. Yeah. So, that's cool because now, right, all the different various crazy things that you can do, right? Because it, 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 like I said, it's it really is the wild, wild west when it comes to e-bikes and e-scooters and e-powered things. You know, it, it's still an open market. We kind of have, as a, as a as a society, haven't settled down into some some you know kind of like defined categories when it comes to these e-powered things. But Japan like flipped that on its head pretty quick and said, okay, uh, 750 watts fits into the Genski law and so if you have an e-powered thing of 750 watts you can get a genski plate for it cool but that also means that uh e-bikes that have a throttle that are very common in the states where you have you know a motor a hub motor uh, or a drive motor batteries and you can ride your bicycle just by using the throttle because you're a lazy american say like those, a super 73 or a juiced or you know. yeah all of those ones those are illegal in Japan as bicycles, but legal as motorcycles, but you have to have the full uh, lights, horns, turn signals, license gotcha. plates, the whole okay. thing. Okay, so yeah. if you want to, if you do, you can rock it, but if you do, you got to make it legal and add the ex additional uh, power sources for all your lights and everything now too. That yeah, don't yeah. Stock. I got gotcha. you. And so then like if you're talking to Super 73, Super 73s are pretty pretty fast from what I've heard, right? You've ridden one. Yeah, they're, they're pretty quick and they come in uh, a mode that isn't legal because uh, in the States, at least most states um, in the United States, uh, you're limited to 28 miles per hour for bicycles that are pedal assist. Mm -hmm. 
And I think Super 73 has like, a, you know, following the Tesla model, they have like a crazy mode. Oh, okay. And that, that one is unlimited and you flick it to mode four and I think it goes up to 40 or 45 miles an hour. And they said specifically, this is only for off-road use. Like we are right, not yeah, liable yeah. for wink, you taking- Wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge, yeah, yeah, off-road yeah. use Exactly. Only, yeah. And I don't think they're legal at all in Canada because Canada has a hard, has a hard stop on anything over like 22 or 20 miles an hour. So they're like, okay. even, the, even the 28 uh, setting is regulated differently and it's rounded up to some kilometer, which doesn't quite equal 28 miles an hour. Um, right. It's just a little bit less, like 24 or 22 miles an hour. Because What kind of power rating do the motors have? You know what? I think they got a thousand watt. Yeah, see, and that's how they would do it in Japan. They would look at the power rating of the motor, mm -hmm. and they would say, okay, well, that falls into this displacement class. Yeah, because they used to have 750, and I think they all went to 1,000-watt uh, hub motors um, last year. Yeah. So that so would definitely be you like could your bring your two. Super 73 here, you know, and, and get it registered, and as long as you're in the right displacement categories, like, like I said, if you keep it under that 125cc class, then you're doing it through your city, and you don't have to do any uh, any vehicle inspections, which are a big right. pain in the butt. Yeah. Because they check your brakes, they check your lights, they check your ignitions, they check your exhaust noise and stuff like that. Um, so Ho Hopefully Super 73 wouldn't have exhaust. I wonder if they'd check like, the loudness of the card and the spokes, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. You, know, you might have to get, you know, get a softer card. Yeah. You know? but, then, but then you just, what a lot of guys do for a lot of things here, cars and bikes included, is they, they keep all of their stock parts, right. yeah. go down, get it inspected, <laughs> and then take it. But that also means there is a very big set of uh, resale stores here for hop-up parts. Gotcha, right. Places like, uh, there's a place called Hard Off. Nice. You can make your own jokes. Yeah. Uh, up garage, a um, couple wow. of other things. They keep coming. <laughs> yeah, they keep going. Exactly. Um, so th those are those are uh, motorcycle and car parts resale stores. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool. You can go buy some sweet rims, you know, that you can you can put on your car. That's sick. Uh, but yeah, so that's one of the weird the the weird laws. Like if you bring your Super seventy three here, even though it's got pedals and you know, the cop sees you zipping up the road with your uh, with your uh, with your bike, but it doesn't have a plate, and doesn't have stuff, and you're, and you're doing it on the sidewalk, you're in big time trouble. Nice. Uh, in Tokyo, people are actually getting in trouble for riding like bird styles, you know, electric e scooters. Oh shoot! Right. So I've actually seen. I, I was I was over at a store. It was a little a little a little window store. Where I'm buying some uh, yakitori, right? You know, grilled chicken on a stick things and a dude pulled up on an electric scooter and it had headlight turn signals horn tail light and license plate wow so I'm he like, went through the whole uh, process to get it legal and he had a little white genski plate <laughs> that's rad yeah <laughs> that's crazy though that is that is nuts and that's something that they're probably going to be thinking about as electric is is uh making its way here you know um i think japan will be a good model for how to deal with some of the some of the light you know the the future when when it all kind of shakes out because eventually right the motor sizes and battery sizes are gonna start shaking out into kind of common configurations just because it'll be easier to wind you know a, a thousand watt motor then it will be to wind a 600 watt motor, you yeah. know, like something will kind of, it, it'll kind of naturally evolve into a certain kind of set of branches and same thing with the battery sizes, right? The little, the little lithium ion cells come in a certain voltage and there's a certain thing where a certain size package is good 
you know, for this size and, a, you know, you double it up for this size versus trying to make like weird custom battery cells for every bike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And then, uh, let's, uh, places let's, to ride, right? Let's top places. it off with places to ride. Cause, cause it sounds like you could start a import export business, but you could also start a tour company. Um, and I want to know what you would pick being a, uh, yeah, an expat so, over there. Japan is is roughly the size and shape of California, just kind of flipped the other way, right? Um, but the entire the entire country here is is very very mountainous, so you have lots of mountains. And uh, come here in the spring or the fall, and go hit some mountain roads. Oh, man. You know you can you can rent you can rent motorcycles with an international driver's license. So you you take your motorcycle license, you go down to the AAA, get your whatever twenty five dollar you know international license. Most places will let you rent them, no problem. Get yourself a smaller bike, right? Don't worry about trying to get the Hayabusa's or the giant freaking you know CVO Harley's. Get yourself a little four hundred. It'll be cheaper. And you'll be able to zip up and down these mountain roads and just have a great time. Japan actually has a lot of these, uh, they'll be like like skyline. So it'll be uh, Izu skyline, the Izu, the Izu Fuji skyline. There's there's a couple of these roads that are that are really just scenic mountain roads that are really there just for the purpose of driving on a scenic oh, mountain road. Man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So some of them will even charge like a separate toll to use the road, um, but. And then, and then they've got, they'll have like a rest stop up at the top, kind of like a, you know, like an Alice's or a rock store or something like that. And so there's plenty of those, uh, try to get a hold of somebody who lives in Japan like me and say, Hey, I'm coming. This is what I'm going to do. What do you got? And I could, you know, I, I, I actually have a book, uh, my wife got me from the bookstore and it's got like the best roads in different prefectures. And so I'm, I'm taking that back with me and I'm going to say, Hey, you know, these are some good roads and it'll even have like how much the tolls are, um, when it's closed. Cause a lot of these mountain roads might be closed in winter time. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. So. Man, that sounds awesome. And, 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 uh, when you come back to the States, I mean, I, I got some riding. If you ever make it back to California, that's just that awesome, man, that, that does sound like so much fun. Um, you you got you've got several pro- I I have several projects lined up for you uh, <laughs> that you you don't have for yourself. I'm gonna I'm gonna set up your import license here. I'm gonna set up your uh, your I forget what they used to call those guides to Europe. But, oh, Frommers Frommers Guide to Europe. It sounds like we're gonna have uh, my motorbike obsessions guide to Japan, and um, yeah, just all these cool bikes. It, it's really good advice, and um, sounds like a lot of fun. It's so, good times, good times. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Matt, thank you for wasting another hour with us on the show. I know it is uh, it's one of the days in the future over there now, and you probably got your, your family. As I'm heading into the nighttime, you're just probably getting the afternoon going. So um, I'll let you go. But thank you so much for hanging out. We finally nailed down somebody that really has this uh, why the 400 cc's are popular and, and gave us, you know, five three four four reasons why <laughs> so yeah thanks for explaining all that and hey if anybody wants to check you out on social media or go read some of these posts that you've made about the cub or about the traffic laws or any of that stuff where can they hit you up at so you can uh instagram i'm uh, on instagram at my motorbike obsessions uh, uh but the instagram is is more of just a kind of a, a more live action update to my blog which is the my motorcycle my motorbike obsessions blog which is my motorbike obsessions at blogspot.com uh that's where i've been posting here for about good nine years on all the different things that i do here in japan 
Um, so a lot of the show notes that I use to kind of talk about these road laws, it's on there in one of my uh, Japan uh, posts. And uh, some of the other ones are on there too, like uh, you know me taking the cub and turning it into a dirt bike and yeah. going out and stuff. <laughs> so check, check out those. That's where you can really find me. Drop me a DM on, on Instagram if you want to get some get some information and, and and I could try to try to get you hooked up a little bit or at least point it in the right direction. Yeah, that's that's awesome. For anybody taking a trip to Japan, um, I'm small, I'll fit and carry on luggage and uh, we could go uh, <laughs> see if he's see if he's lying about all the stuff. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you. Tell the wife and kids I said hi. And oh my God, I wasn't recording this whole time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whoops. I need, it has. Now I can't pause it. I was going to oh, no. play play a terrible joke on us but <laughs> jokes on me um, maybe you can only pause it once anyways thank you for coming on and thank you for hanging out and listening to us this week everybody um so listen thank you uh matt motorbike my motorbike obsessions for uh for coming on and uh yeah that's an awesome show stick around next week you're gonna want to hear next week's show we got two <laughs> I thought of a funny way to say this and now I totally forgot it. That's me in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, we're going to have two... Oh, yeah, that's right. So, two greasy chicks. And if you think that means little chickens that are trying to escape KFC, I don't know. I had a funnier thing than that. But anyways, we're going to have two lovely ladies from Wisconsin and uh, they are going to come on and talk to us all about uh, the human body. So you're going to want to, you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, actually that'll be in a couple weeks. So, uh, yeah, check that out and email the show creative writing podcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. I hope everybody liked my stupid video that I posted up there. I really didn't mean to troll. I love trolling people, but I, that was an honest mistake. The video didn't upload just the text. So joke it was like a trolley joke for a little bit and i like becky that she liked it and i was like oh that's sweet that she liked my stupid text uh so thank you all of our patrons uh always this show is brought to you by our patrons that that announcement at the beginning is is totally true so thank you everybody on there and uh i totally forgot um speaking to patrons i totally forgot uh solstice slam last year we did have a, a non-patron winner but i guess uh i should and i and i you know it kind of didn't happen last year nothing nothing got really submitted somebody had submitted some artwork that was not a listener uh to the show and so they rightfully deserve the the art patreon or the art uh solstice slam prizes but i uh, got zero submissions so we didn't really have a solstice slam show last year so i was kind of bummed but i thought you know what i better advertise it and i better uh, you know, get it uh, queued up this year. I know everyone's back riding again. The last two years, people might have not been riding that much, but it's going to be coming uh, this June. The Solstice Slam, and it's actually the uh, the Vernal Equinox, and um, or the Summer Solstice. You know, that's that's basically when we're going to have it, not the Vernal Equinox. We're going to have it in the Summer Solstice, so it'll be coming up in a couple months. It's your ride stories. And if you go back in the past and listen to Spooky Spokes or Solstice Slam, it was basically everybody's ride stories. Submit us uh, a cool story. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, your first bike, your crash. Hell, we've had people... you know, talk about their the bikes that they've owned with like bajillion miles and how many miles they put on their their bike and like all the crazy service that entailed and this and that. It's a fun, fun show. You can win lame prizes from yours truly. And uh, so, yeah, if you're a Patreon member, uh, five bucks or more, you automatically get entered into these uh, the Solstice Slam. 
Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Last year we kind of didn't have one, but I guess I still kind of owe someone a cheap and cheesy prize. And since nobody submitted anything, it's going to be real cheap and cheesy this year. But we tried to make it at least like a gift card to Cycle Gear, some little bing bongs to put on your motorcycle, whatever. So start thinking of your stories now and uh, email them to slam at creative-writing.com or creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to have fun this year. I demand it. We're going to have a fun one. So get that ready. And as always, email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Anything you want to talk about. We've got a couple people in the hopper that want to talk about uh, their bikes or even meet up. And if you want to go riding with me and the Wigmeister, hit us up. Social media, we're always at at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, except on Reddit, we are creative underscore writing. Don't go to the other creative writing. Trust me on this one. You're going to not, you're going to bleach your eyes. Bye. All right. We can get that show in the books. Oh, what the hell? What's that noise? Tobor? Who was that imposter? No!